Friday nights at 9 p.m. It's time to sit back, relax, and play conspiracy bingo with Echoplex Media. We've curated the best conspiracy theorists the internet has to offer and turned it into a live bingo game you can play for free with absolutely no prizes but bragging rights. You won't find a live stream like this anywhere else, and that's probably better for everyone else's mental health. Tune in every Friday at 9 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia and find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. When they actually spend their time listening to this show, what does it mean? It means we're winning.
All right, everybody, welcome to Down Ballot. We do the show live every Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, right here on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Media. If you're listening to the pod and you don't know what that is, just go over there and make an account and then give us some money there. Twitch.tv slash Media. You can also support us at patreon.com slash You can get the entire recording from tonight's broadcast, including local love and any post game that might happen after. I'm producer Dave. You can find me on Grinder. And uh, with you as always, uh, the councilman. How are you doing, producer Dave? Can you turn up the your the the gain on your mobile? I can. I could also talk more directly into it. Is that helping? Can you turn up the gain on? Like it should be at like uh, uh, three o'clock. Is that better? Something's going better? on here. So, okay. Something's going on here. Okay. Let me see if maybe it's me. Okay. Okay, talk some more. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, something's going on here. Okay. Tap on the mic for me real quick. Just tap on the mic. Yeah, I have, oh, that's weird. Okay, I mean, you're a little muffled, but I think we can we can we can lift we can live with it. Okay. Well, if you want to um move on into leading off, I can I can see if I've got my audio set up correctly. I like can't. Yeah, you're you're incredibly muffled. I don't I'm not sure what's going what what's happening mm-hmm. here. Am I muffled on your end or? No, no, you're fine. I got you fine. Okay. Um, well, people in the chat say they can hear you, so that's fine. Um, we we'll okay. just we'll just tough it out. Okay, sounds good. Okay, um, so hey, uh, who are you and what's going on? Not much. Uh, this is the councilman. Um, coming at you live from from somewhere in West San Jose. Um, somewhat awake. Um, had a pretty frustrating afternoon. So, hoping the town ballot will help be able to cauterize the wound a little bit. But yeah, mis- misplaced something very important and still haven't found it. And anyone who does that knows how that feeling is. It's like that just turning in your gut uh, that you cannot uh, expunge until you either find the thing or find out that it's gone forever. So, really hoping it's not gone forever, but uh, feeling like it is. It's not feeling very good right now. Oh, yeah. I don't like losing stuff at all. Yeah. Not well, cool. <clears throat> where, where can people find you? Uh, I suppose you can find me on Twitter at the underscore councilman, the, the councilman. Um, I haven't really been on there a whole lot, um, at all. And I'm, I'm struggling to be on any kind of social media or any sort of <laughs> outlet really at all right now. Um, with bad baby taking up a lot of the time um, for me and the good wife. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, you'll, you'll find me here at, at seven thirty every, every, uh, Tuesday night, hopefully Pacific. Um, and then, uh, you can find me obviously in the podcast hope you keep downloading it and sharing it with your friends um and you'll find me uh uh probably hanging around city hall occasionally uh lurking in the public lurking in the public comment and uh trying not to get a restraining order against me well this is the wrong this is the wrong docket i should probably pull up the right docket there we go it's okay we're getting started on the right foot tonight yeah everything's going perfect We'll fix it all in in a post production, right? No, that's what. No, absolutely not. <laughs> oh crap! I forgot we're live. Yeah, this is live. This is live. Anyway, this was also the wrong thing to pull up. I pulled up the docket for the plaques. Hey, that that would actually be pretty fun. We could we could do a Freaky Friday or a Freaky Tuesday, Taco Tuesday. Anyway, here we go. We're gonna lead off with uh, Bay Area freeways. They're quite dangerous. So um, be, that's what I've heard. That's what that's what the news was saying. For sure, and they're always right. 
Welcome back to NBC Bay Area News Tonight. There are plenty of studies and top 10 lists that we talk about, but this one caught our eye. It's about traffic safety on our freeways. This is not a list you want to be on. The 10 deadliest roads in California. Two Bay Area freeways are in the top three. The website called Money Geek analyzed car crash data between 2017 and 2019. Here we go. Take a look. Number two on this list, Interstate 80 in Alameda County. This is a stretch that a lot of us have been on right after the Bay Bridge, MacArthur Mose, MacArthur Mays, Oakland through Berkeley, Alameda County, 15 fatal accidents. It's a five mile stretch. Number three on this list, Interstate 80 in Contra Costa County. So just up the road past Richmond into El Sobrani, 13 fatal accidents. That's also a five mile stretch. Number eight on the list. We're going to the Silicon Valley now. Yeah, yeah. In San Jose. This is right near downtown San Jose. Here's the 280-880 interchange. But if you go just east into downtown San Jose, 11 deadly accidents. It's a four-mile stretch. The deadliest stretch of road, though, in the state of California, Interstate 15. You probably might have never even heard of it in a town called Hesperia. This is 35 miles north of San Bernardino. Is like 19 the, fatalities sure. in a four-and-a-half-mile stretch. <laughs> San Bernardino. If, if something bad is happening and, and they say it's happening in San Bernardino, to drunk driving. I believe that. contributed to 28%. One more note, November had the most fatal accidents. Yeah, if somebody says something bad is coming out of San Bernardino, I believe them. Hmm. Probably true, right? Uh, well, that's it. That's very interesting. I'm glad to know that... Um, it, uh, Bay Area exceptionalism wins out, and especially South Bay ex- exceptionalism. We had, we got on the list. San Jose made the map. That's cool. We're 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 getting there. We're we're reaching big city status every day, producer Dave. Oh man, that is like a shitty section of the freeway too, though. There, right, going through downtown. Yeah, I mean, between like a, just uneven asphalt and then people crossing over each other to merge. There's a lot of weird merges there. A lot of weird exits, right? Multi-street exits. So you, people like to get all confused when they fucking go over. <laughs> they try to merge over and get off and uh, the 87's right there. So it, it all just uh, conflates to create a lot of madness. And on the other side, going north, um, it's just as bad with people merging in from 87 um, and Bird uh, around a Southwest Expressway. It's just a death trap. It really is. No one's paying any attention to what they're doing. And people's houses get hit sometimes in that area. Apparently, yes. <laughs> right at the end of that stretch, right? Uh, if you haven't, if you survived the stretch without getting your into a car wreck, you're going to more than likely run into a <laughs> into a house. <laughs> the guy whose house it is has a good sense of humor about it, kind of. So, right, very much so. It seems like it, right? Um, you think he'd like, you know doll up his you know bollards with some sort of design or some sort of public art maybe i don't know statues who knows they're carved sculptures <laughs> just put a, put a big sign on there that says don't hit my house and it's like, right like a big neon sign that wouldn't be more distracting or anything that wouldn't make the situation worse <laughs> no probably not um or like you know like a air or a airport guiding lines right and maybe some semaphores come this or go that way. Maybe that would distract people. I don't know. Um, well, anyway, uh, if you're driving on that stretch of 280, watch yourself, check yourself before you wreck yourself, um, and really get out of your car anyway. Take public transit. I mean, it, the, the BART may, may derail occasionally, but for the most part, you're not going to run into anything else. You're more than likely not going to die on the way to where you're going. That's true. That's true. So we're going to move on into winners and losers, and the thing about Let's winners and losers is that there are no winners, and if somebody does win, you hate them. That's pretty much. That's pretty much the case. Yeah. Um, so where are we starting off today? Looks like a 
So a big big event coming back to San Francisco. Incorrect. And Incorrect. Wait a minute. Wait. Did oh, I it was the lead-in. Oh, it's the lead-in. I see. What, I, they always do it like that with the little lead-in Chiron, and then the actual. Yeah, this is um. This is. Oh, I remember now. Van versus CVS. Yeah, this is the Van versus CVS. I was like, were my show notes wrong? I was like, no, my show notes are wrong. It is the kids no. who are wrong. They are the struggle is real. They are out of touch. It is not me. Anyway, this is a van versus a CVS pharmacy, and apparently the the van uh, won round one of car versus building this week. New overnight shows the impact right here. This is this new video. It's showing the impact of that van that plowed into an Oakland CVS. It happened a little before 2 a.m. on Broadway near 30th Street. That store was closed at the time, and we did reach out to Oakland police to find out what led up to the chase or if anyone was injured. Well, so far, we're still waiting for an answer to that. We're also waiting to see if that store will open as scheduled for 7 o'clock. We're waiting to see if the store will open. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they have front doors at this point. It looked like the van pretty much took those out. So kudos to the van. And you saw it. It ended up plowed into a look like a lottery uh, uh, vending machine of some sort or some sort of vending machine. So kudos to them. They did a great job just taking out the entrance completely. That CVS. There's no way they're opening at 7 a.m. I mean, the, I mean, unless it's unless the doors just make it so it's impossible for them to close. True. I mean, there's there's just no <laughs> doors, right? <laughs> So they have to board it up, uh, but still, yeah, they, how are you going to let people in? So uh, who knows? Maybe those, maybe the, the window people can come out late at night and, and fix her up. Maybe CVS has a line on some, some contractors, I think. But uh, these days, I don't know if you've done any contracting work or any, any sort of a home improvement work out there, listener or viewer, um, or, or producer Dave over at your uh, new palatial studio. Uh, paid labor is hard to come by these days um, in terms of, and it takes, it takes a while even just to get on the schedule, even if you have the money to pay them. Um, and it's expensive too. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're in for a hefty price tag. Hopefully the van people pay for it. So whether they like it or not, that CVS remains open. Very much so. I, uh, as, as tragic as that might be for the community. Um, but I guess, uh, this was a, a big week for cars crashing into, uh, retail establishments. Um, I, I, when I originally saw the post that you had shared on the docket, I thought of this because the good wife and I had seen this story on the news the other night. I had not, I was not aware of the CVS versus van. So this is car versus, or it looks like Toyota Camry versus Trader Joe's. We're going to begin with breaking news in Castro Valley. A car crashes into a Trader Joe's grocery store, injuring up to six people. We saw ambulances taking away several people from the scene. The car went all the way into the store. The driver still at the scene, and it's unknown at this time why the driver drove into the store. We have a picture that the Alameda County Sheriff's Office you really needed that kombucha. Of the car inside the store. You can see it's a gray Honda sedan. Authorities say there is no danger to the No, it's not. It's a Toyota to stay away from the scene as they help victims and investigate what happened. About 30 minutes ago, the car was removed from the store. If you look at the front doors, you could see part of the Toyota there. The CHP <laughs> says it drove past the cash registers. But they still have a door. Barrier, Cheryl Hurd has just arrived at the store in Castro Valley. She CBS had zero line. doors. This is great. They actually have a person on the scene at this one. It's not just like, a, like a wide shot Tell of it. Hurd, Hurd. Well, we just got there, and you said at that car that was inside the store. Well, it's right here in front. Authorities backed it out. And it is clearly a Toyota. 
You can see the huge glass that uh, window that that car went through. As you said, six people injured, and this is what we know so far. A car drove through the front of the Trader Joe's in Castro Valley. It ended up near the checkout area. Uh, he didn't even get past the, the checkout, so I, I call this one a draw. On the scene. Take a look at these pictures. You can see the car made it pretty far into the store. Now, the yeah. driver is cooperating with authorities, remained at the scene. We don't know how badly injured the folks taken away are. I talked to someone who was inside the store, and she says that it's a miracle that no one was seriously injured because the store was pretty crowded at the time. Now, I talked with the source, uh, and the source tells me that they believe that that the driver may have uh, gotten a little confused and mixed the brake with the with the accelerator. That has not been confirmed. We are about to um, talk with the CHP about this, but that's what the source is telling us right now. A so source still on the scene. Uh, source. Emergency personnel anonymous on scene, and we'll have an update with more information coming back to you at six o'clock. Reporting live in Castro Valley. I'm Cheryl Hurd. Back to you. Okay, Cheryl, thank so you. So what they were saying at the end, the source or whatever, uh, that Toyota Avalon, its demographic is uh, people of a certain age. Yes. So that they just, what they told the news person was probably like, that was an old lady or an old man. And the news person was like, oh, they probably got confused, right? So there was no source. Nobody has the inside fucking yeah. scoop on what the fuck happened in the car before the person <laughs> ran into the trader. Just get the fuck out of here. Right. Um, some employee of the Trader Joe's has a very creative, you know, imagination, right? Um, a very overactive imagination. Yeah. Uh, inside sources tell tell me this is what happened. Yeah. Who knows? But it more than likely foot slippage, you know, hit the wrong pedal happens quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I would call this one a draw. The, they didn't really get very far into the establishment. They only took out the entrance. You could see the exit was still, the exit doors were still very much intact. Um, so they might, they more than likely will be able to open at 7 a.m. Uh, Trader Joe's. So they, I would say, I would say car did some damage, but probably a draw. And there's no lotto machine or whatever in the Trader Joe's to take out either. So it makes it a, just a, it's a more difficult target to get points. Although, and I, and there's also uh, the issue of the six injured people. You know, if it was, if the CVS had been hit, you know, in the middle of the day, I imagine there would have been a lot more injuries because that was pretty substantial damage. Um, so I can only imagine that there were more injuries at Trader Joe's because it happened during the day. Um, well, there was this, the, but, uh, the CVS was closed. So yes, right. there right. it was middle, middle of the night. Yeah. So there you go. Um, so tra tragedy on, uh, on that end. So sorry, sorry to the folks who were injured at Trader Joe's. Um, all the more reason not to, not to give the Avalon person more credit. So up next we got, these are supposedly vitamins, fentanyl pills. This is, uh, this is going to be, this story is going to be done so poorly. Fentanyl's not candy, kids. This story is going to be done really poorly. I just guarantee it. They're probably going to even include some shit about the, the fucking the moral panic around your Halloween candy in this fucking thing because we're getting to be about that. Just time say of the no. Year. Just say no. They may look like candy and even our childhood vitamins, but experts say just one of these pills can kill you. They're known as rainbow fentanyl, and they're spreading throughout the nation and across the Bay Area. The latest find in Hayward. Some of the pills had Hello Kitty or skeleton type designs to it. <laughs> Those are supposed to be ecstasy pills, but good on you for getting that shit off the street. 
and several <laughs> other narcotics and contraband found by Hayward police during a traffic stop just weeks ago. Fines, they say, have increased in the past month. Very small doses of fentanyl can be fatal. And that's what's so scary about these pills, especially given the fact they look like candy. Even young kids could see these and think that it's something that's safe and it's really very dangerous. The DEA has been warning the public since late August, asking parents to speak with their children after seizing brightly colored fentanyl and fentanyl pills in 18 states. They believe it's a deliberate effort by drug traffickers to drive addiction among kids and young adults. Oh, I, my heart sank seeing I'm the surprised. Hayward Police Department's post. Michelle Leopold lost her 18-year-old son to fentanyl in 2020. She says Trevor was a freshman at Sonoma State and died in his sleep after taking one pill. Since then, she's been informing and helping others impacted by drugs. Even more reason now that uh, these rainbow fentapils are out there and then today's horrific discovery of the Hello Kitty and Grenade and uh, pirates uh that's just atrocious and it's absolutely horrifying to think that uh, they are actively going after younger kids the nonprofit families against fentanyl say in the last two years fentanyl fatalities have increased nearly five-fold in six states including california just last year the golden state registered more than 5,000 fentanyl deaths we have to do more about uh, educating especially the the young adults and also getting Narcan out there everywhere because you never know when you might be able to save a life. Stephanie Magallon, NBC Bay Area News. So I'm skeptical that these were supposed to be fentanyl pills. I think what they found were ecstasy pills. And I think mm. that they came up positive for having fentanyl in them. So I think it's good probably that they're no longer available. But I don't think that these were marketed to kids like you think of a little pill with a hello kitty on it you know what the fuck that is well yeah you and i do definitely do um one would hope that they're marketed to kids right um and you and i from experience know that there's a lot of fun in the drug uh trading and paraphernalia uh industry right um who hasn't done you know a sheet of acid with you know winning the poo on it or something right uh it's sort of standard practice it's goofy um, and so you see a lot of this kind of thing and yes, we, we definitely know, um, kids don't, um, I, I would tend to agree. I don't know that this is designed deliberately to indoctrinate kids and, and, and uh, get kids addicted. Um, but then again, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it wouldn't surprise me either. Um, you know, you see more of this from like the for-profit, you know, tobacco industry, I suppose. But, um, yeah, no, I, I could certainly see that being the case, but in this particular regard, I think it's, it, you know, could just be some really fancy colored uncolored drugs um and uh, the news is making a big and the police are making a big conflagration out of it now i'm telling you it was just fucking e-pills that had fucking fentanyl in them and good that they're off the fucking market but these aren't these aren't like some being marketed to like some seven-year-old because they're colors and have a fucking cartoon on them get the fuck out of here every goddamn ecstasy pill ever has had a has been a color and had a cartoon on it they've got grenades for the boys and my first pony for the girls yeah, that's what I'm, I mean. The grenade pills, they would, those are even just ecstasy pills. I mean, they're just the grenades. They're the, they're the green grenades. Don't take the green grenades. They're bad. Like, right. You know, I'm just telling you that I don't think that this is like the news does such a bad job of covering this stuff because they don't have anyone on staff who understands. But cops are 
cops are happy to play it up too. The cops know exactly what those were. Cops have to have known that those were to be marketed at like parties as ecstasy pills. Oh yeah, but, like, the, but you've got you know you've got to put the PIO out there to do the spiel, um, justify their existence, right? Justify the the money we keep giving them um, to do their jobs. So absolutely. All right. So up they next, they know that we know. Up next, we got a story we've been covering out of Shasta County, California. A woman named Sherry Papini. She said that she was abducted, but it turned out she was she was just cheating. She was just cheating. Just cheating. Done wasted hell of people's time. There was like a fucking woman hunt and fucking just wasted hell of money. And uh, she got sentenced to 18 months in prison for like wasting everybody's time up in Shasta County. I got to tell you something. You got to do a lot of shit to waste people's time up there because there there's a big waste. There's uh, that whole place has been a big waste of time. So she done pissed everybody off. Here's a story from NBC it, Bay Area. Go for it. We do have breaking news. The Northern California woman who faked her own abduction was just sentenced to 18 months in prison. Sherry Papini has to turn herself in by November 8th. Papini disappeared in 2016, only to reappear several days later. The FBI says she had been staying with a former boyfriend in Southern California, gave herself injuries to appear as if she was kidnapped. Under the conditions, she must serve three years probation and pay more than $300,000 in restitution. Yep. It's strange. And how do you got to feel about being her, like, current boyfriend at the time? Like, she had to go through this elaborate ruse to get away from you and to go to her ex? It's like... It, it's amazing it's amazing i uh there's there's you know uh we kind of covered it a little bit and i remember a little of the story um my understanding was that for a minute he wanted really bad for the story to be true and then he realized it wasn't true and uh i just know that like to like fake your own kidnapping and then get busted for it is very difficult like <laughs> you know what i'm saying like how do you fake your own kidnapping and then get busted for it she must be like the worst kidnapping faker in the world but all she was doing was cheating like right she couldn't resist going to you know starbucks and using her her gift her uh, credit card or her her starbucks account to get that that free whip on the latte well she showed back up a few days later as the news had said with like fake injuries and stuff so she like the local authorities like did this whole investigation into this whole fucking story she had made up about being kidnapped and uh I don't know. The story didn't make a whole lot of sense and they figured it out pretty quick because the yeah, story no. didn't make a whole lot of fucking sense. Oh, absolutely. If you're going to do a, if you're going to go through a ruse, man, go through a ruse, like go, go for it, lean in, get a story, get a, get a back backstory, get an alibi, back up your friend's stories, you know, like make sure you, you, you do the full Monty, right? Do the whole thing, whole nine yards and go for it. Don't leave anything, any sort of hanging chads. Um, because even like a, a shoe gum detective is going to figure this this shit out. Uh, so yeah, put a little more effort into it. I would say don't get caught doing crime. If you're going to do a yourself. ruse and you're not smart enough to do an elaborate ruse, do a simple ruse. There you go. Yeah, take, let's take it back to basics, right? Just you know, I'm going to visit my cousin in Vegas. Right, we're going to have a weekend. What, stays, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Don't ask me about what happened. And then go see your ex. It's very simple. Yeah, it was a, there's going to be a lot of... Actually, the story's just going to go away because she got sentenced to jail. I was going to say there's going to be more interesting yeah. stuff coming out about it, but nah. I think it's just going to become yeah. like, a, like a legend up there, and that'll, oh, that'll sure. be pretty much the end. Another one, right? We uh, Added to the legend list from Shasta County. 
So up next is a story that um, it could be good, but I get real. Um, I get some. I get some bad vibes off the next story. Yeah, I don't think there's much good happening here, but we can find out. In the South Bay today, Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill into law launching his care court system. The controversial proposal aims to overhaul the state's mental health care system. And the court order treatment program is part of the governor's plan to address homelessness. KTVU political reporter Greg Lee was with the governor in San Jose and has more on what's next. There's a lot to be thankful for and a lot to smile about today. Flanked by behavioral health providers. And Wait, there was nothing written on that piece Governor of paper. Gavin Newsom signed his CARE Court legislation into law in San Jose. CARE stands for Community Assistance, Recovery and Empowerment. Newsom introduced the proposal to help address the state's homelessness crisis in March. It flew through the Senate and Assembly. Continue to do what you've done, you'll get what you got. And look what we've got. It's unacceptable. So we have the power to turn this around. The new program allows court-ordered treatment for people suffering from severe mental illness or addiction. The state estimates 7 to 12,000 Californians qualify. Family members, first responders, or medical professionals can petition a judge to order an evaluation. If approved, a county would be mandated to create a treatment plan which can include medication, services, and housing. The individual would be required to stick with the plan for up to two years. Somebody's son somebody's daughter, somebody's brother, sister, it's their loved one. And today, we get to have the opportunity to turn to those families and say, there's hope. Civil rights groups have long opposed CARE Court and plan to sue. Disability Rights California released a statement that says CARE Court expands an already problematic system into a framework of coerced, court-ordered mental health treatment that goes back to the country's horrific history of ableism and subjecting disabled people to being a separate class. Their point of view has been uh, well advanced for a half century in the state of California. Their point of view is expressed by what you see on the streets and sidewalks all throughout the state. Under the timeline negotiated in the legislature, care courts would launch in seven pilot counties by October 2023, including San Francisco. The other 51 counties would follow by December 2024. The state allocated $65 million to launch care court in the judicial system. Newsom also pointing to billions of dollars earmarked for homelessness and behavioral health. Local leaders say the real work is ahead. All of us as mayors stand united in saying we want to be part of the solution in helping to implement. This is going to be hard, but it's critically important and we have much, much work to do. They need help, they need intervention, and sometimes that's tough. And this is a, I think, balanced approach. In San Jose, Greg Lee, KTVU, Fox 2 News. So this could go a couple different ways. It's going to be the devil's going to be in the details. And I don't know enough about like the law and how it's written and what the what options are available. But forced treatment has a pretty nasty uh, history uh, worldwide. Um, Absolutely, it's very it's problematic to say the least, right? Any kind of any kind of forced treatment, um, especially for those with mental illness and uh, other um, uh, concerns, so and disabilities. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm I'm not very confident that this is going to play out well um and that, that it's not going to ensnare a bunch of folks who um don't uh, and should not be subject to it uh, subject to these this kind of uh it's almost like harassment 
You know who's going to have a field day with this? ACLU? The fucking cult of Scientology. Oh. <laughs> like, if, like, they're going to have a fucking field day with this. They're going to be like, the state of California is forcing people into psychiatric care. I already well, fucking see the video. I hear the ominous music. It's going to be like just another one of the examples that they, they cite in one of their fucking anti-mental health propaganda videos. Sure. It'll be, but it'll be easy pickings, though, honestly, because it is it is, exactly, it is what they're doing. And we're doing it here in the county of Santa Clara as well. There's a there's an AOT program right here, right now. Um, so it's it's happening, allegedly. We haven't seen a ton of it happening, but this, this kind of policy is in being implemented here. Um, but you have to be seen if it's effective or not. Um, I just don't. I tend to think it's really problematic. I just don't understand where the fucking where is the site? Where are the psychiatric facilities? Like that? You, are are they going to magically appear? Like this? There's a whole infrastructure that happens if you're going to do this and do it right and do this in a way that helps people. And that infrastructure ding. don't fucking exist. Ding ding ding! That was the number one point of contention and conversation when the board of supervisors in Santa Clara County brought this up and and decided to implement the policy. It's the same conversation that was had at the city council in San Jose when they thought about implementing this policy. Uh, so, it, yeah, you're right. Even if you do agree that it's a good policy to have, uh, we don't have the infrastructure to support it, and we certainly aren't committing the resources to build the infrastructure at this point to support it. Um, and that's not part of this. You know, it's I guess the $65 million might be a part of a solution there, but that sounds like it's mostly directed to the court system uh, to pay, you know, lawyers and judges and uh you know clerks and other folks to process all, all this crap and all the legal paperwork but not to actually help the folks that it's you know this is designed to assist theoretically so this is going to either end up like one of two ways like people are going to end up on like a version of probation where we're going to give them housing oh no you're not going to do that Oh no! No, that this is absolutely that's another thing. This is not at all about supportive wraparound services after the fact. This is about forcing someone into pretty much in some cases like a seventy-two hour hold, right? And then they're uh, they're released um, back into the world um, and may not be anywhere near where they need to be, who they need to be around, um, may not have the resources, the capability to do anything uh, to help themselves in the longer term, um, and they're not exactly pointed in the right direction, right? Uh, they might get like a printed a printout list of resources from the county. Um, who knows? But they're certainly not getting the kind of wraparound services that they need once they get, um, once the system recognizes them for who they are, someone in need, right? That that should be what happens is that, that, that uh, these public services are there to help people who need it. Uh, but we can't, you can't reach them if, uh, you know, we're just sort of moving them around a chessboard. So I, every time this kind of stuff comes up, I fucking, I say this and I can't stress enough that if you unhomeless someone and they have anxiety that is crippling because they're homeless, you have killed two birds with one stone or you have at least made the anxiety treatable. You yes. cannot solve the mental health problems of the people on the street by sending them to a fucking class and leaving them on the street. Yeah, that's correct. That's why the the, the advocates for the almost across the board um, say housing first. It's just the number one thing. You, you, you put so you put a roof over someone's head. You give them shelter, and everything 
uh, starts to and moves toward falling into place. It's not as though it's perfect process, but it, it, it puts them on the path. It puts it gives them the space, the health to move forward in all the other aspects of their life. Well then and, and if you do housing if you do housing you give the people in the like stressed like mental health facilities, the stressed mental health departments, the stressed mental health apparatus of our society the opportunity to actually do some fucking triage and figure out what the fuck's going on. Yes. So they can yeah. divert their resources where they're most needed and most effective. Like sounds like a plan to me. But, uh, but no, no, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna put a psychiatric hold on you, and then what? And then we're gonna make you go to a class. Like then you're gonna show up this class. They go, hey, uh, you know, well, you know, why are you feeling this way? And they go, well, I sleep under a under an overhang. And then the mental health professional is going to go, you know, that does sound like it would cause some stress and maybe some, some behavior uh, issues. Right. It sounds like you are, in fact, um, suffering from acute anxiety. I'd be shocked if they didn't have anxiety, PTSD, right? If you're living on the street for any, uh, or just unhoused for any prolonged period of time. Even if you're just couch surfing, right? Even if you don't have your own home, you don't have a place to go, right? You don't have a family or anything, anywhere to go. You're just sort of, night to night, you have no idea where you're going to land. You might land somewhere, but you have no idea, right? That that alone causes so much stress, right? Right. Couch then, serving is only cool if you and if you have like a bunch of rich friends, right? Right. And then of course you're criminalized and and like Elon and, Musk. Uh, well, Elon Musk was couch surfing for a long time, and it it was cool for he was like, oh, it's couch surfing, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like in Peter Thiel's guest house, like, like, but yeah, like being insecure like that and just having regular ass friends, even if your friends are maybe middle class. Uh, working class all of them are stable like you're eventually like you can't just be sleeping on everybody's couch forever and so yeah again like i just can't i just can't why are they why are they putting up like a like a regime of enforcement before they're putting up a regime of support it seems seems backwards you hit the nail on the head though it's about enforcement it's about public safety it's about the pretty white people living in their pretty white homes in Elmaden and Boston Valley, you know, and the wet and West Side, and West Valley and Saratoga. It's all about it's about those folks feeling safe, right, and feeling secure. And so, as soon as Bambi or whatever her name was got killed, um, sadly, sorry, tragic, rest in peace. But as soon as Bambi got herself killed down in Elmaden, um, it it just set off this powder keg of white fragility of people like just uh, because she was killed by someone who was on parole or who had been paroled right who had been um in the system previously and was released right um and committed the crime uh and then heather steinley or whatever her name was up in san francisco right these these things conspired to build this movement towards um well these people you know we, we can't just keep releasing these criminals so let's try to keep them in jail let's try to keep them incarcerated let's try to keep them locked away somewhere um and it sort of spread into this realm of folks with legitimate issues um who are now being criminalized um in advance basically or they're they're being forced yeah, that's into the problem situations. Here. that's the problem here is these people are being criminalized before they commit a fucking crime it sounds like it sounds like the potential is there of some yes. fucking minority report shit here possibly yeah and then uh it, it's also really worth noting if we're just on the subject of housing in general and homelessness that the folks who have a home are more likely to commit a crime than folks who do not actually it's studies yeah. studies show studies show that uh, the unhoused actually commit crime on a at a lower clip than folks who are housed 
Is that so just property crime and violent crime, or is it just violent crime? It sounds like it's just a, a violent crime statistic to me, but that's the only crime I'm worried fabulous, about. That's a fabulous question. I, I don't know the answer to that, but at the, at the end of the day, crime, you know, crimes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that's, a good, that's a good question. We'll have to find out. I do know that there's a lot of hand-wringing locally and elsewhere in, in more heavily white, white communities about the rise in, and some mayoral candidates are taking trying to take advantage of this, the rise in crime. Um, crime rates are actually down over year over year, decade over decade. They are down, right? Peaked are, in the mid nineties, yeah. Correct. There are fluctuations, of course, right? At, uh, one year there's a spike for whatever reason in murders, death, kills, whatever, like uh, rapes. I don't, I don't know. But for the most part, and they're still on decline. They are still uh, in in decline over year over year. Just like housing prices are going to go up. You might have a month where shit happens, the market market uh, takes a little hit, things go down, but really. On the whole, if you keep your house for 20 years, you're going to have a lot more valuable house at the end of the day. Same goes for, for the crimes. They're going down no matter what. So uh, it, when you hear politicians try to tell you that, you know, about talk about rising crime rates and we need to do more to, you know, keep criminals off the streets, it lead to policies like this, right? Um, be a little skeptical. Ask the right questions. Ask the tough questions. And ask, ask them, you know, Show me the data. Show me the numbers. And show me why your plan is going to actually fix this. They, sh- they show you a graph of eight months. You go, hey, could you back that graph out a little bit for me? <laughs> right. The ones that start like at 500, right? Like the baseline yeah. on, the, on the y-axis is 500, right? It's like zero, 500. And then it goes 500, 501, 502, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, could, yeah could, you, could you back the graph out for me, please? Can we get a different graph? I'm all, I'm um, absolute just maven for that you know pet peeve for that i always check the x and y axis and see what kind of scale they're using um before i give any sort of graph any sort of mind or validity um because a lot of the time people are just fudging that's the easiest thing to fudge is the visual the um, only chart you shouldn't like be you're... the only chart you should never be skeptical of the one is the pie chart that says pie i have eaten pie i have not eaten <laughs> because you can actually check that with a physical pie that's true. And in my case, it will always be just a big circle of pie. Eaten. Pie I have eaten. Because I fucking love pie. <laughs> I mean, I don't care what it is. I it, it could be something where I don't like the thing that's in the pie in any other context. Right. And yet I love, fucking love it in pie. <laughs> who knows? All right. So who needs to get their shit together this week? Uh, it's Evergreen School District. Um, and good news is I we have some, I have some friends running for school board there. So hopefully they can... Uh, turn things around um we'll talk about that when we do ballot box bingo for november but uh it looks like they had plans to close a school uh elementary school and now lo and behold since the community got inflamed and pissed off um they've somehow found the money they moved some numbers around in the accounting books and said oh look we have the money we can keep the school open but we'll see if how, how realistic it is here Across the state have announced plans to shutter schools due to budget issues or declining enrollment. But tonight we're learning a South Bay school that had been on track to close is getting a new lease on life. NBC Bay Area's Damien Trujillo spent his day at an elementary school celebrating the news their doors are staying open. It was back to school night here at OB Whaley yesterday and I'm hearing that when the parents were told that the campus would remain open, the entire place erupted in cheers. The children are always excited to see their friends at school, but for the parents at OB Whaley Elementary, the last few months have been rough after learning their school would shut down because of declining enrollment. I have been so stressed out. 
I have been so stressed out just wondering, gosh, what am I going to do next? Where am I going to take my kids? The next closest school is over a mile away, and the children would have had to cross two major thoroughfares to get there. Then came Dr. Antoine Hawkins, the newly hired superintendent of the Evergreen District. You saved O.B. Whaley. How do you feel? Oh, I feel excited. Dr. Hawkins took a closer look at the school's decline in enrollment. Only 250 students at a school that once had 400, and he found a way to keep it open. The plan? Repurpose the school, bring in a magnet program, and partner with the city and community agencies to raise revenue by bringing in much-needed resources, like after-school care, mental health services, and other programs. With the new plan and increased state funding, Dr. Hawkins redid the math and it added up to great news. We were able to look at our budget in a measurable way and see how we could sustain the school in its current form. It means that children and their parents can keep their school. I was so happy, I, my heart dropped, I was, I, I text everybody, I'm like the school's open. Not every school will be saved. Laurelwood Elementary in the same Evergreen District is closed. So is Chavez Elementary in Alum Rock where the district now leases a property to Cadango for early childhood education programs. But there is one change. Districts say they won't be selling the properties that close because they now feel enrollment will one day bounce back. We too don't want to sell property because we're looking at uh, some type of growth, hopefully, uh, in the future. For now, at OB Whaley, it's time to celebrate. The math adds up, meaning their nightmare is over. Damien Trujillo, NBC Bay Area News. Thanks, Damien. Well, beautiful. So you had said that the parents had kind of thrown a fit. I guess they didn't, well, not thrown a fit, but like were active or whatever. I guess they didn't really yeah. bring that up much in the story. They wanted to like let the one uh, like city council person or was it a, I think it was a city council person. They wanted to let him say like two or three words and then cut away from him, which is what <laughs> I noticed they were doing a lot of in that clip. Yeah, no, they, they had a parent speaking for like all parents. Um, and then they referenced like the, you know, community meetings, whatnot. It's just really specious, really, really, um, specious kind of a reasoning from the brand new superintendent. Lo and behold, comes in, right? Um, has, uh, has sort of a mess on his hands, um, from budget cuts that are really beyond anyone's control anyway. Um, and miraculously finds some sort of way to, you know, move some numbers around in the books to make this more viable i don't see how i didn't hear anything in there about what was tangibly done to uh to change anything um other than just moving numbers around so uh we'll see how it goes um but this that's a slippery slope um when you start uh you, you have to be realistic at some point um and unfortunately parents have to be that way too uh because we're, we are where we are and hopefully that will cause more parents who charter schools and or and or have the resources to send their kids to private schools maybe it will make them think twice and, and try to invest a little more in our in our traditional public school system um we shall see but i did like the note of you know uh parents don't know what they're going to do to get their kids to school and then there's a shot a b-roll shot of a bus right bus. <laughs> it's well like, there's, this, there's um, school buses parents. a fucking bus yeah I, I took the bus my entire junior high career i went to elementary school a block from where i grew uh grew up great you know i could walk every day with my friends to school um and then lo and behold sixth grade came around and i wanted to go to a different a magnet school so i got on the damn bus every day and took the bus there and back the school bus the yellow bus it was fun um you got to hang out with your friends and listen to music and if the driver was like if the driver was cool at the time 
Um, you didn't have your little iPods at the time. You didn't have your little, uh, not iPods, <laughs> shit. iPods don't even exist anymore. You didn't have your iPhones. You didn't have your little smarty phones, your little uh, MP3 players. You just had uh, the, the benevolence of the bus driver uh, putting on the right tunes. Um, so kudos to the bus drivers of the world. But yeah, that's what, that's what you do. If your school closes, oh God, it's a whole mile and whatever to the, the nearest school. They're going to get on a bus and ride a bus for like 10 minutes. I'm so sorry. But it'll give them character, trust me. All right, let's get on to down ballot watch here. First, we let's got a Gavin with a 30-minute ad telling you to vote no on Proposition 30. 30-second 30 ad. Sorry. I hope it's 30 seconds. Jesus. I need to warn you about Proposition 30. One company's cynical scheme to grab a huge taxpayer-funded subsidy. Don't be fooled. Prop 30 is being advertised as a climate initiative. But in reality, it was devised by a single corporation to funnel state income taxes to benefit their company. Put simply, Prop 30 is a Trojan horse that puts corporate welfare above the fiscal welfare of our entire state. Vote no on Prop 30. So the more I look into Prop 30, the more there's no one to root for. Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's one of those... It, it almost belongs under winners and losers, but it is down ballot. So I figured we would throw it down here. We're going to get, we'll probably get to covering it sooner or later, but um, yeah, Gavin, as we talked about last week, Gavin came in here on the side of the you know, California Republican party, the taxpayers association, but also the California teachers association. So there's that. Um, and then on the opposite side of labor interests um, and environmental interests, honestly, who have teamed up with Lyft in this case uh, to uh, put forward a measure that uh, pretty much incentivizes people to get electric cars and wouldn't you know it Lyft and DoorDash or uh, I'm sorry Lyft and uh, Uber and the other ride-sharing companies have all been tasked with uh, by the state with a mandated uh, uh, goal of I think something like 90% of their miles have to be logged in electric vehicles right um, by their drivers so it it definitely benefits them um, in the long term for, for incentivizing to incentivize electric vehicle purchases um, and usage, even if those folks aren't Lyft drivers. Um, and they're spending a lot of money to get it done. The interesting thing is that Lyft is doing this then on pretty much on their own. Uber is not funding this measure. Um, DoorDash, the other, you know, whatever, uh, uh, you know, companies that employ ride-sharing drivers are not jumping on board. Lyft really did this on their own and built a coalition that really could pass it. Um, although Gavin's uh, Brewers come in and spend a lot of money on this ad that I've already seen on TV, so it might make an impact. Um, we shall see. But the yes folks are going to rally, I'm sure, and throw some labor Labor groups will not sit idly by. Um, so, uh, and it's a lot of building trades groups because they're the ones that are actually going to build all these electric vehicle stations and you know, service the electric vehicles. So Lyft tries to position themselves as a more environmentally friendly, less horrible company than Uber. They're probably yes. trying to leverage <clears throat> their reputation as much as much as maybe they've been able to foster that reputation here to say, oh. well, look, we're also in favor of this environmental thing. I think that's yeah. that's what they're doing. Um, yeah. If I was less cynical, I would be like, well, maybe this is a way in which everyone wins because the people who drive for Lyft get a little bit of a break on their electric car. And, um, you know, we get more maybe gas cars off the road. And then I'm like, but no, I'm a cynic. I don't believe any of that. I don't believe that's likely. I be in fact, I believe it's probably not even possible. <laughs> so well, I, I, I firmly believe that they, you, they could create an incentive, right? A program like that, a rebate program for people to buy electric cars. I don't know if it's going to spur them to get the electric car, but I'm, I'm confident that they can create this program. 
Um, and then if it did spur, and also building infrastructure, and if it did spur more electric vehicle consumption, then great, right? Um, but you're right, there's no guarantee that that's going to translate. Um, but at the end of the day, it is kind of a, a cynical approach by Lyft to, to, to go that route. Um, so I can I see it from both ways, um, which is, again, why, probably why I should be under winners and losers. Um, because uh, to me, yeah, if I can get that result, I will take that, given that it, it's not necessarily directly impacting Lyft's bottom line, right? Like, it's helping them. It's helping them achieve goals that have been mandated by the state. But it's really not, like, lining their investors' pockets necessarily, and they're spending a good amount of money to, to get it passed. So I don't know. Like, I, I have to believe that if they're spending that much money, it's got to help them in a tangible way, right? Um, but at the end of the day, it looks more like it is kind of a, you know, uh, not just them winning um, with their cute little pink logo with the curved letters. That's the softer version of ride sharing, right? Uber's got the hard black lettering. Uber, very modern or futuristic. Lyft is very 70s, bubbly. So yeah, they're trying to cultivate a different kind of image for sure. All right, well, on to another story that could be good, but I'm just going to guess that it's probably quite bad based on Never. based on where it is and just the sort of general the general chatter around uh, UBI over the last couple of years. It looks like Mountain View is rolling out a pilot UBI program of some sort. We're going to let the news tell us a little bit about it. And some families in the South Bay struggling to make it in the Bay may soon get a huge financial boost. Leaders in Mountain View are launching a monthly basic income program. Yeah, and like other programs there in cities around, it would offer money with no strings attached. Today in the Bay's Ginger Cotahero Saab, live for us in Mountain View this morning. Okay, so Ginger, there are some questions here I'm sure a lot of people are asking about. For who are we talking about and just how much money are we talking about here? Those are the big questions. Good morning to you, Marcus and Chris. 166 people will be chosen from here in Mountain View to receive $500 a month as part of this pilot program for the basic income uh, pilot program here in Mountain View. Now, it kicks off later today at 1.30 this afternoon over at Civic Center here in downtown Mountain View. Mayor Lucas Ramirez will be there. State Senator Josh Becker will be there to uh, launch when this pilot program. 5,000 Mountain Viewers will race to see who is the top 100 mountain view for one you must qualify under the extremely low income bracket which means you make under 30 percent of the area's median income and you are also eligible if you have a child under 18 years old or if you are pregnant let's go back to that median income requirement you can see how that breaks down depending on your household size that's on your screen right now for example a household of three you would need to make less than forty-five thousand five hundred dollars a year to qualify for a household of four it would be under fifty thousand five hundred fifty the selection process is completely randomized it will be done by researchers and not led by the city if you are chosen you will receive five hundred dollars for two years that's the entire duration of the pilot program you are not tied to any conditions when choosing how to spend this money it's called unrestricted financial assistance and it's really meant to help the most vulnerable in the community especially those who were impacted by covid 19 this pilot program isn't the first of its kind as you mentioned other programs have been launched in stockton as well as in oakland it launches today here in mountain view now the window to apply is not too long it starts at 8 a.m tomorrow morning september 16th and you can apply up until midnight september 25th you can go to mountainview.com 
www.elevatemv.org slash elevatemv to find out more and to uh, also visit some other virtual um, support centers where you can apply throughout the city. Marcus and Chris? Yeah, this is a great opportunity because every little bit helps, especially right now. Yeah, absolutely, especially if you don't make a lot of money. I mean, it makes a big difference. So this isn't UBI. Thank you, Ginger. This is, just, this is just a supplement to people's already existing programs, like welfare programs. This is not UBI. It's not universal. Well, it's it's not universal in that it's not every every one of us getting it right. You have there are qualifications, right? As soon as you have qualifications, it's not universal. You are correct. It's still um, not universal. It is, it is t- yeah. It is targeted. It is targeted. No, yeah. It's targeted uh, financial relief, basically. Um, but yeah, it is. So it is, it is what it is. I, I was actually hoping it might be some sort of like Thunderdome kind of situation, which I think Republicans and conservatives would get would get on board with if you had like, or Squid Game, right? Or, th- or Hunger Games, if you had to like actually fight to be in the top 100, right? Like, so all Mountain Viewings are uh, eligible. And then whoever the top 125 are who are left standing after some sort of bloodbath, right? <laughs> in the public square. <laughs> that, in the public that's square, they, they, they get the They get the UBI. Well, I mean, that's still means tested too. It's just tested on by your your means to fight, right? So exactly, or your your cunning. Who knows? There could be some rules that that allow for folks who are not necessarily uh, physical type folks, but definitely have the the big brain. Right? Maybe they could have a battle bot or something. There you go. There you go. Or teams, you know. So, the, so that's there's some sort of a uh, every every team has a a different piece, right? Like Voltron. So up next, I thought anyway. we were never going to hear anything ever again on this story, but apparently we have a follow-up on, it was a city councilman, I forget who, from where? But Milbray? The, a Milbray city council, city council oh, person, yeah. they had a rock thrown on them, at the, thrown out at them on the beach. Apparently, persons of interest are in custody. Don't throw yeah, shit at councilmen. On a story we brought you in June when a Millbrae councilman was the victim of an attack. KTV's Christian Kaftan tells us SFPD says they detained a juvenile in connection with the attack and they caught him because of a very specific act of vandalism. The incident was shocking. And what did he tag? I threw a rock at the Millbrae <laughs> City Council, like on something or <laughs> on video. What the fuck? Chunk of concrete at Millbrae City Councilman Anders Fung three months ago. That chunk of concrete sending the councilman to the hospital with a two-inch gash on his head and a neck injury in June. Now there's word of a significant development in the search for the suspects. It is my understanding that you know two persons of interest uh, is now in custody. And then they are trying to, um, you know, identify these individuals and see if there's any connections to this case. United States Park Police are heading the investigation and issued this bulletin following the attack with the photos that Fung's family snapped of the suspects as they walked away from the attack. The bulletin saying the suspects were spotted tagging a location above Fung when the concrete block was thrown down at him. Then, early this morning, San Francisco police say they spotted a tagger who had scrawled out the same graffiti as the attackers and arrested an adult male and a juvenile on felony graffiti charges. The juvenile may be connected with the attack on Fung. The San Francisco Police Department has maintained uh, a list of all these um, suspects and, and you know, persons of interest who they've been uh, tracking uh, in terms of their graffiti units. Uh, and that's the fruit of their collaboration 
in this case. U.S. Park Police say their detectives are following up on the new information provided by San Francisco police and that the new developments highlight the importance of the close working relationship between the law enforcement agencies. For his part, Councilman Fung says he has recovered from the attack but is dedicated to seeing that similar attacks don't happen to others. And I do believe that it is incumbent upon the elected officials right, and the policymakers to ensure that public safety is on the top of our agenda. Uh, ensuring people's safety is it's our number one priority. While this has been a significant development in this case, U.S. Park Police stress that this is still an open investigation and say they do not have anyone under arrest officially for that assault. They're still asking anyone who has any information about that incident to come forward with what they know. In San Francisco, Christian Kafton, KTVU, Fox 2 News. I'm surprised we got any follow-up on that at all, to be perfectly honest. I thought we'd never hear I about know, it. Right? Well, uh, the determined Millbrae police you know, coming through. Uh, we're good on them. Good on Councilmember Fung. I did like him uh, doing that interview from his like real estate brokerage conference room or something like that. <laughs> so great, great branding, good product placement. Very, very well done. Um, and speaking of product placement, um, you really can't go wrong when an international superstar musician uh, gives you some, uh, drops you some branding and some product placement. Um, with 80 of their friends while they're on world tour in, uh, in your neck of the woods. A Puerto Rican restaurant in Santa Fe was surprised when famed rapper Bad Bunny showed up for dinner along with his entire entourage. KTVU's Henry Lee shows us how Bad Bunny is turning out to be good for business. Thank you so much. The phone call to Soul Food, the Puerto Rican restaurant in downtown San Rafael, came late Monday afternoon. They're like, oh, uh, we have 80 hungry Puerto Ricans. Are you guys able to accommodate us? Restaurant staff quickly set up the dining room. A half hour later... And then they show up in black SUVs. Every, they're parking and everything. Once they get in there and they see... <laughs> Bad Bunny walking, it just goes crazy. Security gets in there, they don't let anybody in. Bad Bunny, the famous Puerto Rican rapper and singer, along with his entourage of 80 staffers, crew, and backup dancers, were in the house. Bad Bunny's walking around like he owns the place. <laughs> the singer ordered mofongo, mashed plantains with olive oil and sautéed shrimp. Bad Bunny was actually serving some plates for them. He was helping the kitchen out. He was in the kitchen, talking to the staff. This is a picture showing Bad Bunny posing with a dishwasher. That Bad Bunny chose soul food for his Puerto Rican fix certainly made for some good, well, PR. Bad Bunny, seen here at a previous concert, performed at the Coliseum in Oakland Wednesday night. He makes really good music. Yeah, no, we love him. The feeling seems mutual. Bad Bunny's one of the most, or one of the most famous Puerto Ricans around, so if he's here and he comes to Marin and he comes to our Puerto Rican place, like, that just, you know, it shows that you know, we're well-known. Customers we spoke to agree. I think it's really exciting to support, you know, local Puerto Rican cuisine, and it's really authentic, and I think it's so cool that Bad Bunny, being someone from Puerto Rico, thought it was good enough to come here. And Don't forget to follow us on social media. Yeah, I know. They had to follow. <laughs> Be <laughs> Becky, <laughs> Becky likes the good restaurant. Ethically correct, so I could imagine how uh, somebody of his authenticity would want to come here and, and bring his entourage. I hope he treated. Authenticity. Uh, <laughs> certainly a treat for everyone involved. The restaurant says it has seen an uptick in business. The manager tells me he actually ordered tickets to see Bad Bunny months ago. Little did he know that the artist would come hopping to his restaurant in San Rafael. Henry Lee, KTVU, Fox Two News. He's like, can I say he hopped into the restaurant? And they're like, yes, dude, you can say he hopped into the restaurant. Like that's your one for the month, all right, dude. You get one quip every month around here. It's part of your benefits package. He didn't. He didn't turn tail and run.
they they picked they picked they picked Becky. They picked they literally picked this lady to uh oh. They picked this lady to interview. Don't forget to follow us on social media for beautiful food and inspiration. And then they just picked White some validator. Like, some old dude who like come on. Like whatever. Yeah. Eccentricity? Ethnicity? What, what's, what is he oh, talking he about? Oh, he meant well. Leave him alone. I know. I know. It's just I love how I love how old people say things. I, it's fun. I just, I'm right. just really impressed that they let him say that Bad Bunny hopped into the restaurant. <laughs> uh, maybe the reporter didn't even get the joke and just let it go. I'm telling you, he begged at the staff meeting. He begged at the at that at the daily rundown. They don't even do it like that anymore. Local news, like that's that's the reason why it's just it's just so swaggy these days. As you, uh, I mean, it always has been, but uh, it's it's the reporter is the camera person is the editor, right? Like they just they put together a story on their own in their car, and then they send it. That's why you see so many interviews from the car, and then they send it into the the team, and they barely ever look at it. I don't think they don't even know what they're introducing half the time. The the anchors, it's pretty sad. Well, we got and another thing, and then we're going to get yes, sir. the fuck out of here. Well, not really. We're going to keep going, but we're going to get out of here for your podcast listeners. So what do we have for and another thing, Councilman? Well, this is, uh, as usual, we try to find a feel-good story. Um, and I think I'll let the, the story speak for itself, but there's a, a piano that popped up in a garden, uh, in a park in uh, San Francisco um, pre-COVID, and it looks like it's back. And it, it, it really helped uh, soothe the community. So we're going to learn more about the, the magic piano, the flower piano. New at 10, San Francisco's botanical gardens are once again transformed into an al fresco concert hall. And everyone is invited to play and listen. KTVU's Jana Katsuyama tells us flower piano is back. It's Chopin, like you've probably never heard before. Beneath a giant native tree from New Zealand, beautiful notes soaring from a piano nestled under the branches. The setting can't be beat, you know, as a stage, this wonderful tree with all the, the, the hanging plants, it's, it's just so beautiful. The beauty of the San Francisco Botanical Gardens usually isn't measured in notes, but this is Flower Piano Weekend, when flowers and plants mix with music and pianos. There are 12 pianos throughout our 55 acres, and they're everywhere, from the Great Meadow to the Redwood Grove. Oh. Meandering along the garden paths, melodies float from the ferns and forests. We also have lots of open playtime. So anyone who comes in can find a piano, sit down and play, and sometimes those are just the most amazing experiences. The joy of making and listening to music in the open air brought people to their feet. The unconventional thing of seeing an instrument that should be in someone's living room and it's out here in a beautiful garden uh, creates kind of a sense of wonder. The event was co-founded by Dean Murmel and Mauro Fortissimo of Sunset Piano, a musical wonderland where the show goes on, rain or shine. Tents are on hand in case weather turns wet. But it'd be like in the early days, which is a bit more intimate, just people gathering around the piano. I think it's a great opportunity, for, especially for like little kids. And it's proof that when you plant a seed in the earth, 
or in someone's musical soul. Beauty blossoms in glorious and very unique ways. In San Francisco, Jana Katsuyama, KTVU, Fox 2 News. Very nice. Well, the 12 pianos will be on display at the San Francisco Botanical Gardens through Tuesday. Then no more piano Very for nice. you. Right. Well, that's just a shame. I guess the weather's changing, so. Well, uh, go out and play. Play something. Be creative. Uh, make music. Sing out loud. Sing out strong. Uh, you know, you know how it goes. And have a beautiful week, everyone. That's the message from that story, I think. I think so, too. Everybody, thanks for listening to Down Ballot. The show's live every Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. Twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. If you listened to this podcast until the end, you're a real one, but uh, you should check out the live show. Uh, Patreon.com slash Echoplex or um, Eplex.store to support us in various ways. Councilman, thank you for joining me again this week. Thank you, as always, Producer Dave. Keep your pants on if you can. Everybody listening live, stay tuned for Local Love. We'll be back in like 15 minutes or something. Rock some local jams while we're gone. Peace out. To get the party started Pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing green Sit with the front of the stage waiting for FTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing queen Now get the fuck up on and rock the scene, yeah. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. I turn and head back to the bar for a refill, man. Cause you know where we are We're headed out to the car To smoke another one And another one Now just when the magic starts kicking in I hear we left playing And you know it's time to head in Alright everybody now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it And then pass it to me yeah. We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band we want what we want to do and what we want is to jam so sit back and enjoy the band enjoy that band last up on the bill for the show tonight it's down and dirty in five so we're headed outside to spark up another joint now who's got my lighter stoner e of course shouldn't you be inside i'm all up in this bitch being who i gotta be i'm fucked up like the u.s economy the truth is is that i don't think logically stoner e Take you on a
psychedelic odyssey Now inside motherfuckers is rockin' me And outside shit we smoke a lot of broccoli Rockin' the rollie, all the sexy girl be jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do it sloppily We do what we want, what we wanna do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Dance with the band and enjoy the band We do what we want we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. get enough echoplex and want to keep the conversation going with the hosts and community when we're not live then join our discord server at discord.me echoplex we have text channels voice channels meme repositories and a whole section of screenshots that we don't even remember where they came from come join the now space on discord at discord.me echoplex